Welcome to First Impressions, the podcast where we talk about our love for Jane Austen and Jane Austen related media and give a big middle finger to all the haters. I am Kristen and I am joined by Maggie. Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Maggie. so happy to be back. Yeah, it's great to I, talk to you. I feel like it's been so long since we recorded. It has been a long time. I um I did a couple of we did a couple of mini pods, but we just haven't uh, had a lot of time to sit down and do a full episode. So I'm really excited to do this one. I am too, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. I, as everybody probably knows, I moved to Portland. I have a new job, and it's been really stressful. And I got into this sort of prestigious like leadership institute, which is like getting us another master's degree. So wow. like a ton of work outside <laughs> inside of work, but um, it'll all be good. It's just really stressful right now. But how are you? I'm doing okay. Alex was sick earlier this week. So that oh, was no. a bummer, but now my cheerful, happy baby is back. I mean, he's 18 oh, months old, so he's not that he's not a baby. He'll always be my baby, but we're doing fine. It's the end of the fiscal year here for the government where I work. So everyone's <laughs> breaking out and I'm just like, whatever, everything's <laughs> fine. But I was just, I wanted to hear that you were okay. Cause you've been just like freaking out all over Twitter. Cause I joined Twitter yeah. And so now I see what you're actually saying on Twitter that you don't say to me. And I'm like, oh my God, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit easier if you just tweet, you're having a hard time rather than trying to like impose on someone like one other person who's like, oh, I guess I have to text her back and tell her it's going to be okay. Oh, stop. Whereas on Twitter, anyone who's like, I have a second, I'll tell Kristen it's going to be okay. Stop. <laughs> you can always bother me. And by the way, it will be okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you're wonderful and everyone adores you. Oh, thank you. Everyone on the internet adores you. And if that's the truth, then everything's <laughs> going to be good. <laughs> How could I go wrong? What you drinking? I'm drinking some wine tonight. It's a Grenache from Walla Walla, Washington, where I had my birthday weekend with some friends. We drove out and met in Walla Walla and uh, they have a very light red there. The varietal is called Grenache and the winery is called Grain, like the... Like, like Grogu from Star Wars. <laughs> no, like good the old, <laughs> Good old Walla Walla. The, uh, I believe it was your destination in the Oregon Trail. So uh, to me, Walla Walla is like the light at the end of the tunnel. Is it really your destination, the Oregon Trail? I'm pretty sure. Uh, Let me look this up. If not that, it's then it's in a Washington. Stop. <laughs> I think the Willamette Valley is your destination. Maybe, oh, maybe you go to Walla Walla and then you like have to sail down that river. Like you take your. Oh, your... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The Columbia. Yeah. River. Let me look this up because that is a good point. <laughs> 
Remember that time you died of dysentery? That was every time. <laughs> it was that, or it every was time. the, um, everything I'm getting. Okay. This is funny. I Googled it and everything is about the real Oregon trail. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. I don't care about the real Oregon trail. I only care about the video game that taught that has- me how to type. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That taught you how to type. This. Yeah, I don't care about this. And it taught me that I'm really bad at even like combat, 8-bit combat. Uh, <laughs> and I had to get someone else to shoot the bears for me because they were too fast. There is a card game now. Actually, there, there is I a own card, the card game, game and an expansion pack where you can do the hunting thing with <laughs> the like terrible graphics. Yeah, it's funny. It, in fact, when we decided to, we were moving to Portland, um, our friends bought the game and played with this as like our last mm-hmm. dinner together. They're like, we're going to play the Oregon Trail game. And it was so much fun. Highly recommended. I own the card game. It is fun. The first time I played, it was with my family and I died in the first round. <laughs> and I said... Well, how is that fair? We should let me come back in. And my mom said, Margaret, that's just the way it is. You're dead. Get out of the game. And my mom, my own mother. (laughs) (laughs) Your ghost could travel with the family. The best thing is, too, that when you die, there are little tombstones where you write on with. Yes, I was just going to say (laughs) the best part. You can write your own (laughs) tombstone. Kevin died and, and our friend, I think he wrote like, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> My favorite part of the video game was that you could name the people in your wagon, like the people yeah. in your party. And I just named them all variations of my dog's name at the time. <laughs> and my dog's name was Pooch. So they were all like variations of Pooch, like Poochie and Poochmeister. <laughs> That's clever. These days I would put all Jane Austen characters. I name all my Sims Jane Austen characters. But then when don't you feel bad if they died? They in in this in Sims at least. Well, yeah, but in the Oregon Trail, Kristen, you like never survive basically. Oh yeah, no, I did feel bad. Yeah, I always did that. And then I always feel bad that like my actual family members died. And so yeah, it's not it's not best practice to name the characters, real people's (laughs) names that you can't. Yeah, I don't recommend. Lizzie Bennett (laughs) has been died of died of a rattlesnake bite. Yeah. Oh no. (laughs) Oh, it's always really sad when the the oxen are injured too. Your oxen die. Yeah. I didn't like that. I I could handle the wheels. I was really good at (laughs) crossing the rivers because you had to, you had to choose between fording the river where you just like fucking go for it. And you just like (laughs) basically drive across it as fast as you can or caulking where you like pull everything into your little wagon and just like float it across the river. And so I figured out the depth that you would be successful. So that helped you make the choice. Like, and also when I was a kid, I thought it was funny that it was cock. Cause I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it was actually an algorithm that you, you made an intelligent decision. You were more likely to survive. Yes, I played, well, we random. owned that game too. We used to play oh. it in school, but then my brother and I owned it and I played it enough. I can't, Listeners, don't don't at me. Um, but I think it was something like if the river was over five feet deep, you had to float across it. It if it was under five feet deep, you could just ford it. Nice. Um, but if it was deeper than that, like your little, you would like break apart if you tried to like just drive your ox to it. Yeah. So I had like cracked the game. Listen, this game was not hard, <laughs> but when you're like ten. <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, um, we're doing great listeners, as you can tell. I did not have any wine today, Kristen, but I did have a hard cider that I purchased at the orchard. We picked apples at yesterday. Oh, fun. You did some apple picking. We did do apple picking. It was like so autumnal, except it was 85 degrees. But it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. And Typical I Virginia fall September, I, we picked our apples and I was like, this is a reasonable amount of apples. We are stopping. And then we still had to walk all the way back to the main place. And Bay kept picking more apples from every tree we passed. And I was like, stop, <laughs> stop. It's too many, a- too many apples. And then of course we ended up with, I think almost 20 pounds of apples. <laughs> As long as he had fun, it was worth it. He did have fun. It was like $30 worth of fun. No, but it was, <laughs> they're way cheaper if you pick them, it turns out. Okay. So Kristen, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about uh, the the Benighted Persuasion 2022, the Netflix Persuasion starring Dakota Johnson, directed by Carrie Cracknell. That's so I have come... Not full circle, but I will say that when this movie first came out and I watched it, I was like, it's okay. I don't love it. It was fun. I don't like the fourth wall breaking thing, but a lot of people really loved it. And I was really happy for them. And then I watched it um, a couple more times in preparation for this podcast. And I loved it. I cried at the end. I let it finish. And then I let it replay. Oh my God. I mean, I don't know if it was just that we all had a really low bar. I mean, so the history of this movie is that when the trailer dropped, everybody was sort of beside themselves because the language used is very modern. It's cl- it was clearly like the, um, the Netflix describes this movie as Bridget Jones meets Bridgerton which is a very pretty accurate description of the yeah. tone that they were going for, especially early in the movie. And Oz's persuasion is maybe not the most obvious vehicle to put that on top of. So people were uh, concerned. And, and I I watched it with my mom. So I was seeing it through her eyes. She has, she has no idea what the story even was. She is mm-hmm. not a Jane Austen person. I saw it through her eyes and she was spellbound and I was spellbound and we laughed our asses off. Firstly, the comedy in this movie hits so good if you're willing to go along for the ride. Yeah, I would say it's not for me. It wasn't like an LOL, like laugh out loud type of comedy, but it was just like it was just a very funny, fun watch. And then because she didn't know the story, she was very invested in Anne and Wentworth anyway. And so that was magical to go along with that story with her. And then the third thing I'll say is that this is actually a beautiful movie with a beautiful score. I loved the score this time around. I was like, I love this like funny, plunky. Some, it was sometimes it's like sweeping and sad, but there's the score I think adds a lot to the comedy because it has that kind of like plunky, sassy <laughs> yeah. score. It was, I totally agree with you. The more I watch it, the more I like it. Some people think the score is a little, you know, like telling you you're having fun. It's a little too much. And and I, I usually hate that. Like when movies are like, okay, now things are funny with the score. But this, I was, I was told I was going to hate that part of it. Uh, when I was reading reviews, advanced reviews, everyone's like, the score is so annoying. And actually it didn't bother me hardly at all. Now, Kevin 
watched it with me the second time around. You know, I watched it first time with my mom, mm-hmm. second time with Kevin. Kevin was like, this sucks. Yeah, Bay didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it was so wild. Everybody's different reactions to it. I actually love this movie. When I watched it, I just absolutely had the best time. Now, is it Persuasion, the book? No, but it's an adaptation. So who cares? (laughs) I mean, this Anne Elliot is not Anne Elliot in the book, like at all. But that's okay. Well, it's okay. Well, I'll tell you the other thing too. This is what I was really meditating on. I went back and I started to read the book and I thought, oh my God, this is, this is so different. It's so much, but obviously I've read the book a bunch of times, right? But it just had been a while. I don't pick it up. As I've mentioned other podcasts, I don't pick it up the same way. And it's so subtle and it's so much interiority and it's so much Austin, the sense of duty, not putting yourself forward. And the thing is, that's not a modern sensibility anymore. So if you're looking to make a modern adaptation of Austin that is popular, that reaches a lot of people, that reaches the Bridgerton crowd, this kind of update is is logical. It may not be what you need to see if you're a lover of the source material, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, if you just can't divorce yourself from the beautiful lyrical writing of Austin, the little moments that she describes, that's something incredible in and of itself, right? This is completely different. This is not going to deliver that, but this is going to deliver a story and the bones of the story, right? That Austin wrote, which is great, bo- great, a great story uh, in and of itself. And it's going to put some modern sensibility on top of it. And what I thought was so successful, I'll say one other thing. Normally, when I watch an Austin adaptation, they try to take some original Austin dialogue and then the screenwriter writes some of their own dialogue when they have to shorten it, when they want to make things a little more on the nose, Mm -hmm. da, da, da. That's always is bad for me because Austin's language is so much more beautiful and so much more natural to me. And then it's clunky modern dialogue. This they threw like, all of Austin's dialogue out the window. And the good thing about it is whoever was the screenwriter wrote dialogue that wasn't, yes, it's glaringly modern in parts, but intentionally. And then the rest of the writing was actually good. Like it got out of its own way and just told the story in a direct, simple style that was easy to follow and not, not clunky. It was good writing. I thought that's what I, I, well, they didn't completely throw it out. There are sometimes, especially when Wentworth, speaks there are parts where they if they if it's not a a direct quote then they've just kind of shortened it but like his speech at the dinner when he's like any woman who like says nice things about the navy like i'm hers for the take and those parts stood out because i'm like that's austin like you can tell and like the letter of course they knew not to like Uh, no 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 they screwed up it's well no they had some of it they had some of it no (laughs) they had some of it they had it some of it Kristen. out of the moment. So bad. there's few things about this movie that I absolutely hated. Most of it is, is great. And um, the first time I watched it, I wasn't drunk. Now I've, I'm, I'm <laughs> half a bottle of wine in honestly, I wine will take you to a place when you're watching a romance, yeah, but you movie. have to drink wine and, while you're you watching this to, movie. <laughs> and it will take you to a place that is an elevated plane where you're just, you, you dissociate, you're transcendent, you're in the moment, you're in the movie, and you're just like, oh, my God, I feel great. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I, I saw some people who were being negative about, like, her drinking so much, and I was like, clearly, you've never been single in your 30s, um, <laughs> because that was, like, real 
drunk aunt energy, which I totally relate to. So I actually really liked that part of it. <laughs> Drinking a lot in movies is often a stand-in for being in emotional pain. And certainly she is in a lot of pain. And what now. other way did she have? Yeah, no, I mean, right. it just it's, makes sense that she would a lot, it's right? It's a modern, yeah, it's a very Bridget Jones. It's a Bridget yeah. Jones. That is exactly. It's I like mean, it's Bridget Jones on her couch on New Year's lip syncing to Celine Dion with her vodka. Wait, wait, right? Exactly. All by myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then she's and, like, you can't see it listeners, but I'm like, do, 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 like the guitar. Yeah, yeah, do she does that. <laughs> and then she does the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I do that every time I hear that song, by the way. <laughs> it's yeah, it's iconic. It's iconic. Did um, you? I'm very curious. Um, watching it with your mom as someone who didn't have any experience with the source material, did she ever have any confusion as to who characters were or how they were related to Anne? Not at all. Okay, good. Because I mean, I know who these people were, but I was thinking if I was watching it with my mom, I could see her being like, "Who's Louisa again? <laughs> who is that?" So, because well, sometimes she has trouble like tracking things like that. So I didn't know if that was something, you know. Um, that other they, people might have issue with. They were pretty canny in intelligently streamlining the story. They lost a lot of good stuff. Don't don't get me wrong, but Anne with with the, her, her fourth wall breaking and telling you what's going on. And she's like, "My sister's way, my sister in law." Like she makes it very clear. Yes, and then she'll yes, exactly. When they introduced Henrietta and Louisa, it was she just narrated a camera. They're my in-laws. Mary's going to say something negative about my in-laws, and so um, it was. It was cannily done. It was well. It was a well done movie. If if as I said, you can divorce yourself. Now there are some moments in Persuasion that are iconic for me that I absolutely love, and I was sad to see them lose the beauty and the subtlety of some of those moments. I don't know if we can get into some specifics or if you're still. Yeah, just tell me, tell me, tell me everything. So, you know, it was such a good time, especially with Mary. She, she steals every scene she's in. She's got all her own original dialogue. It's very modern and it's very funny. But you know what I will say about this movie? It is so much more comedic and so much uh, um, it's still, it's still got that pathos, right? But it's focusing on a lot on comedy too, which the book is funny. It's Austin. Yeah. Of course, it's funny. So bringing out Mary's character and making her say things like, I'm an empath in this, like, you see, the problem with me is that I'm an, I'm an empath. <laughs> so really, really, I'm, I'm the, I'm the worst person. To, if I'm, how can I focus on self-care until I learn? <laughs> I have to, uh, let, so I'm just going to interrupt you really quickly and just say that the performance, I think one of the reasons I love this movie is because the performances are so good. Oh my God, they're so um, good. I mean, you were talking about like the writing be good and I don't disagree, but I think that everyone in this movie, like elevated every part of it. Um, especially the actress who played Mary was <laughs> hysterical. I just, I adore her so much. Okay, go. Well, every single scene and just incre- in, 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 in a, in a, her face, way. her facial expression. Yes. Yeah. She just always has this like, what? Like <laughs> frown. And he's every like, scene. where are the children? Huh? <laughs> and I say, when my mom and I, when I say my mom and I laughed our asses off, we actually did a large, long loud laughter at Nate. It was mainly her performance. And a lot of the other humor was Dakota Johnson, who I'll just take a second to say, I love her. I love her. I have loved her and everything I've ever seen her in. 
a lot of times when movies try to show you that a person is like a good person, they'll show that person interacting with children and being like, oh, yay, I'm good with kids. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels extremely forced with her. She's so incredible and so charming that it felt completely organic. And some of the best scenes early on are with her and the children. Yeah, I agree. Making you love her so much when she uh, dumps the bread out of that basket and puts it on her head. And puts the jam I'm mustache. Captain Wentworth. I'm, I'm rich and handsome and everybody <laughs> loves me. Loves me. <laughs> it's genuinely funny. And you have to grow a small mustache. <laughs> And I just, yeah, I thought she was really funny and they were really smart. And like, when she gets there, the kids all, they already have like a, an ongoing game where they call her Marie Antoinette. Like they clearly have a relationship and they, I felt they did such a good job of just showing that these characters have history and all know each other. I don't know. I just thought it was really good. I did not love it as much the first time I saw it, but every time I watch it, I like it more. And that does not happen that often. The thing is I struggle with the first half when Wentworth comes on the scene he and Anne have dialogue that's a little too on the nose and a little too confrontational for comfort. Mm-hmm. In the very first scene, you know, when she's got her jam mustache on and he comes in, she's, he says something like, oh, I've lived a meaningful life. And she's like, I'm trying to say my yeah. life isn't meaningful. And it was like very on the nose. And you're like, this this doesn't feel organic. I mean, and also the part where she so yells out the window. Yeah. yeah and and then, I'm like, okay. She's okay. a mess. And it's yeah. like, it's like kind of too much. And then, I absolutely hated at the dinner where she's like, Charles wanted to marry me. It's like, no, that's too far. No, no nice, rational person, reasonable person would be saying this stuff. And, and it was so awkward and I do think she's for it. Well, I do think she's supposed to be drunk there. Yeah. But she sucks, you know? Yeah. Okay. This is a person we're supposed to be rooting for. And all of a sudden she, and okay. Okay. And let me say this too. This movie worked for me in a way helping me to understand persuasion. And I know you and I talked about this before in the original book, Anne's decision makes sense to me because I understand Austin's world. There's certain Mm -hmm. amount of justification. We understand marriage is transactional. She can't earn her living in a modern adaptation with a modern audience. Rejecting someone for not being rich is just not okay. It's not moral. I mean, in today's world, you would be severely judged for that. And so I do sympathize with Wentworth a lot more and oh, Anne does. I know. <laughs> I remember you hate, you hated him when we had our first question. <laughs> yeah. I sympathize with him a lot more here. His hurt is more on the surface. His wounds are more understandable. Lady Russell in the beginning, she does try to break, they do try to bring in this like marriage is transactional kind of idea, mm-hmm. but because we're a modern audience and it's modern language and we know, we, you know, it just, you really judge her for that. And so then when she goes on this dinner and she's like, Charles wanted to marry me, she's already got some demerits with you already. And then you're like, wow, you really suck. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a little too far and, and it was sucky. But here's here's what I was going to say about the, the, the moments that I really missed. The first half of this movie was less successful for me, but then the, the second half is incredible for me. I do agree. Yeah, I, I, I do love agree. It. Yeah. But I have a lot of notes about things that just didn't make sense to me. When he pulls the children off of her, it's because they are playing the Marie Antoinette game and they're getting too They're too rough. The they're sticks. like hitting her with sticks. Yeah. He pulls them off of her. And it's a moment we love from the book. Is It's mm-hmm. such a deep, deep emotional. He's like touched her by proxy. He's like, 
entered a family scene that it's poignant. And this time he pulls him off and he starts to chastise her. He's like, the boys were too rough. You should never have been letting them play. And you're like, I, I was like, I don't get it now. Now she's backfooted again. Like this is beating up on Anne too much and I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens when he hands her into the carriage in the book. He's quietly seeing her need and addressing it in the movie. He's almost chastising her like in, in well, Louisa too. Why do you have to be so? Because they just had the conversation though, Kristen, because they just had a conversation about how she has the Elliot pride. And so so Louisa is responding to that. So she goes for a bush wee, um, which is what they call it in bluey. (laughs) When you go a pee by a tree Um, and she hears Louisa and Wentworth chatting about um, her family. And he starts talking smack about her and saying she has her own type of pride. She's judgmental. Um, And Louisa comes to her defense. And then, you know, she then fall like wacky pratfall and hurts her ankle. (laughs) And then she's limping and the the carriage comes and they're like, let us give you a ride. And she's like, Oh no, I'm fine. I'm enjoying the fresh air. And Louisa says, uh, I think she says, why do you have to be so proud? Yeah. And Wentworth says, yes, to let this be easy. And the first time I saw I agreed with you. And then this time I realized that scene followed directly from their conversation. So Louisa had kind of listened to what he said. And she was seeing this as an example of what he was talking about, fairly or not. And I, I liked the way he was just like, just let this be easy. Like, don't <laughs> make this be a big thing. So I thought it, I, so let's talk. Can we talk really quickly about the actor who plays Wentworth? Wait, let me say one more thing about this scene and then let's transition and talk okay. about Cosmo Jarvis. But that scene was very interesting. Cosmo Jarvis. <laughs> but that's <laughs> the dude's name. Is it not the dude's name? No, it is. I just think his name is hysterical. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it, the point that he makes in that scene where he's like, Anne Elliot is set apart. She's judging everybody else. That's the Elliot pride. I was like, I took a moment where I was like, wow, that's, that's so true. That's so insightful. And then I was like, that's not Austin's opinion. That's like an English graduate seminar mm-hmm. observation that everyone's like, Ooh, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, So that's another Another example of the story being modernized and modern perspectives being brought in and like, how can we look at Anne? It is certainly not text, the textual interpretation, which is just what I mean is like, I totally agree that what they say in the next scene follows from that scene. I just mourn the beauty of Mm -hmm. the quiet understanding of her need and the filling it. But the first half before they get to Lyme, he is, I mean, I feel like he's meaner in the book. But in this one, he definitely, he had this actor who plays him has kind of like a very quiet coldness towards her. It came off as like kind of meaner than I expected. Does that it make was, sense? It was really mean. Because he's pretty harsh in the book. Yeah. Because we had a whole discussion. You were like, it's totally necessary. Like it's justified. That shooting was justified. Like she broke his heart, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, he's too mean. He's too mean. Um, and I did think that they kind of kept his like little, Oh, like when she has to move her chairs and he's like, this is an improvement on who didn't want to yeah, sit next that was to me. Up. Kind he of says thing. some really mean. Yeah. Things. And I just, but I want to say that I thought this actor while they thinks he looks like a fish, I swear to God, he said that <laughs> he just has wide set eyes He's not unattractive. He's fine. Um, and I think he's a good actor. He's a, he's quiet and slow speaking. So I you have to like pay attention when he's 
saying things and kind of think about what he just said to be, it's not like an ooh, sick burn type of thing. <laughs> it's like a, oh, that was kind of messed up. The His line deliveries too. The first time I saw this movie, I found them very jarring. Sometimes they're, he'll shout random words, it feels like. Some words are louder. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit unnecessary. Like, yeah, as you said, like one word comes out as kind of a shout. Yeah. Kevin said to me, it, it seems like maybe he has some kind of asthma or COPD or something where he's struggling to breathe. <laughs> he's, he's why, why are we all like this poor, poor I, Cosmo? I know, right? But it seems, <sighs> very, it, it, but this time I watched it downstairs where we have a sound bar and I didn't notice that at all. So mm-hmm. I wonder if it's the mixing. I don't know, but- no, anyway. this is just like the people. This is just like after that episode of Game of Thrones in season eight, when everyone was like, I can't see what's happening. And they were like, oh, you just don't have the color adjusted correctly on your TV. <laughs> and it's like, no, maybe you made an episode of television that no one can fucking see. <laughs> uh, anyway, I will say that. Any criticism I have in his performance is completely erased because at the end of the film, when she runs after him and they kiss and they focus on his face when they're hugging and his facial expression is this beautiful, like, thank you. Like, I can't, like, he's so grateful and he can't believe it happened. And it was so moving to me. And just for that, like two seconds, I am now, I love Cosmo. They have great chemistry when they're kissing, when they're holding on to each other. I mean, the movie opens with them intertwined in the grass and you're like, all right. (laughs) And you think, you think that's them before, but it's really them after. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's crying in the first scene. So I I tried really hard to pay attention. They're wearing the the same. Oh, the same clothes. Yeah. They're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, and he does some other stuff that really works well for me too. And he does a big sigh when he's at the concert and Anne is with Mr. Elliot that yeah. like really works. And he does a lot of good stuff. He does a lot of good work. There were some differences that I just made note of as, as interesting. I have a whole long list of things I loved, things I hated, things I didn't mind, criticisms mm. that I think are fair, criticisms that I think are ridiculous and other points of interest. I have massive notes on this. Wow. One, so I'm trying okay. to think where I'm going to go next with this. Um, let's talk about if we could, uh, something that I really loved was how they changed everything with Mr. Elliot. I really like, but also Henry Golding is so charismatic. I oh pretty much love, but I loved how we know exactly what he's after from the beginning. We don't know if he really does like Anne or not. And we don't, we jettison the whole character of the woman that she's like helping take care of. That's her schoolmate and all that. I feel like it was too complicated. This was much more streamlined and simple. I liked it. I don't know if that's on your list of things that you really miss, but I thought it was such like a smart way to reveal those plot points. Well, let me tell you this. I didn't, I didn't mind the streamlining. However, I don't think in retrospect, it makes a ton of sense. The first time you watch it, you're like, oh, he's actually with Mrs. Clay. He was after Mrs. Clay the whole time. But then you're like, kind of like, well, why is he pretending to be into Anne or was he first He's not into pretending. Anne? He, I, th- I think that he was really into her. Into Anne. Yeah. Yes. It seems so organic. And then he even said, he even has this disarming, like, 
I'm new to these feelings. You know, you can tell he's kind of a slippery fish. That feels, like, yeah, but I love that. Like he's a true cad. You don't know. Is he a cad who's falling in love? Is he just being a cad? He does tell her from the very beginning. Oh, I'm here. So your dad doesn't marry her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> so was he at the same time falling in love with Mrs. Clay or at the end? Is it a wedding? Just, oh, he doesn't care about her. Yeah. No, he's just, so the end is a wedding to get her away from Sir Walter. Totally. Although he probably doesn't mind those boobies. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. One of the criticisms of the film that I saw, and this is totally a side point, but some people were upset that they had cast um, a woman who had a larger body size type. So they were like, why is the repulsive figure? Why is the only plus size woman? But you have to remember Sir Walter is in, is falling in love with Mrs. Clay and he values beauty. So it's not that she's an ugly character. And then at the end, yeah, I, Mr. I, Elliot also is like down with Mrs. Clay and is like seducing her and, you know, like all into her. So yeah. I, I do not think not- that Mrs. Clay was meant to be like ugly in appearance or in character aside from the fact that she's like just clearly wanting money, right? Like she wants to get with them because of their title and prestige and stuff. But I thought the actress who played her was great. Yeah. She was Uh, great. They say that in, you know, they say that in London six is a bath 10, you'll be a 13. I thought she was really funny. I really paid attention to her this time. And she was doing really funny stuff, even in the background, like when they are going to meet the cousins, the noble cousins, and she's talking about her dream, like her face was very funny. I actually, and I remember watching it and being like, I'm so glad they cast someone who's a bigger size. Yeah in this movie and they're not making her the butt of the job. I mean, Mr. Elliot at some point is like, Oh, she's the worst. But I felt like he was doing that because he just does. He wants Anne to be like on his side. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I I didn't get the feeling that we were supposed to be really like, maybe I'm completely missing the mark in the book. I feel like Mrs. Clay is more ridiculous, but I didn't feel like they went that she's just clearly like a sycophant. They didn't like make her ugly or terrible or anything. And she was like, she was working it. She had that low cut dress on. (laughs) Like she knew what she was doing. But that's a, that's a complete side point. So I I appreciate that. Actually supposed to be talking about. We were talking about the end and with Mr. Elliot. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like the octopus scene is a great example. I do not like that scene. I love uh, that her. scene. I like Henry Golding in it. I love her I, in I it. I just, that was the most like, this is not Anne Elliot moment for me. But in it's the whole never thing. been Anne Elliot. Yeah, I know, but I couldn't movie. let it go when I was watching that scene. It was so weird and wacky and off the wall. And here's the thing. I read descriptions of that scene before I saw the movie and it made me think, wow, this movie is going to be off the rails. It's mm-hmm. gone so far from the, it's gone so far from the mark. A lot of the things I read that are true descriptions of what happens in the movie. Like the kind of hacky, like I didn't know how far I had to fall. And then she trips, yeah. you know, a little bit of hacky writing and stuff like that. It was all so much more tasteful yeah. than I was led to believe. And what saves the octopus scene is the incredible chemistry that she's having with Henry Golding, with Mr. Elliot, right? In the middle of what's supposed to be a very stately visit. Um I don't know. It just worked for me because it was so sexy. And then the 
hilarious comedy of her coming in and saying, me too. I ate some cheese before bed and I yeah. also dreamed I was in It has to be. I mean, that has to be a fisherman's wife reference, right? Like that famous Japanese woodcut of the woman who's like being like, it's like the tentacles are around her and it's very sexy and it's like a very famous you don't, do you know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. Look at your face. No. Okay. (laughs) You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know what I'm talking. Okay. I'm going to look it up. You can cut this or you can live it in. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's the fisherman's wife's dream. The dream of the fisherman's wife. I'm going to send you the link in the chat so you can look at, you got to look at this. I can't believe you don't. I mean, this to me was a clear reference to this you gotta look at it a story or is it just a picture it is a i mean i think it's a woodcut but let me confirm before i embarrass oh wow yes this is a very sexy painting um it is a three volume book of shunga erotica first published in 1814 and became his most famous design the dream of the fisherman's wife is the most famous image um, it is a piece of erotic art depicting a woman enveloped in the limbs of two octopuses, and they are performing a sexual act on her. And it is very famous. To me, this was like clearly what they were talking about. Here's what I'll say. Anytime <laughs> they give Henry Golding a chance to do his thing. Oh, it was he so was so good. good in that. He was so he is so, he is a goddamn movie star. They and I talk this a lot about a lot. Some people are just goddamn movie stars. <laughs> Henry Golding is one of them. Just point the camera at him, let him say something, and you will just swoon. He is so funny, but then he's also char. He's so, he's perfect for Mr. Elliot. I was like, why not make him Wentworth? And then I saw the movie and I'm like, oh, he's so good. <laughs> so good. And if she ended up with him, I would not be mad. No, no. And see, okay, let me make a hard right turn here. I was taking heavy notes, as I said, when I was watching this. (laughs) Did you actually watch the movie or were you just writing notes the whole time? (laughs) I paused it all the time because here's the thing. This movie, especially in the the beginning, has little moments that don't make sense right away where Anne is saying people, various characters are saying you can live a full life as an unmarried woman. Mrs. Croft, for example, in one of her very few scenes says, stop treating an unmarried woman as a problem to be solved. Yeah. But and can there, you? What, the, thing, the thing about this movie is Anne is an unmarried woman and it is very much a problem to be solved. She's shunted aside. She hates her family. No one mm-hmm. values her. And so this is what didn't make sense to me at all. And then when she is with Bennick and Harville and everybody at Lyme, you know, before Louisa falls, they're having this meal and she's talking to Bennick. And then Wentworth is like, I don't want to get married. I don't want to put this worry on my wife, which is a weird thing for him to say because he was all ready to do it to Anne. Yeah. Right? And then she says, don't patronize your wife. Don't decide what she can handle. Maybe she's going to be at home having adventures of her own. Yeah. And again, it didn't make sense because she has been at home very much not having adventures of her own. Yeah. But when she's finally in Bath, when she's finally amongst people who can see her value and being heavily valued by Mr. Elliot, then you're finally like, oh, she's single and, and self 
actualized in a way. She's getting there. She just, she has this conversation right before she goes to Bath with Lady Russell, where Lady Russell is like, hey, you can be sexually liberated. You can go to Europe. You can get yeah. all that company quote um, of all that you want. And she's an example of a woman who's living her best life without her husband who has passed. So I guess it all eventually yeah. came to fruition, but and it was kind of weird. In some ways, the movie wants to have its cake and eat it too. Yes. We're like, you don't have to be married. It's fine. But like, Anne isn't happy. But I think my response to that when I'm thinking about it is just that that is because Anne does love someone and is extremely depressed. Yes. But it's Anne like, is not happy and single and thriving, despite the fact that she says, as I said, thriving, she is miserable and her family is terrible. And maybe if she had people who did value her, she would be happy being single, but she's clearly not. She's very this, depressed. It strikes to the heart of a, one of the problems of this movie is, is this set in the Regency or is it not? Mm-hmm. Because that's a very modern view and if this is a Regency movie and would never have had the opportunities to have those adventures that she's mentioning. So it's a right. little bit like you said, exactly like you said, are you having your cake or are you eating your cake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, for me, at least, I mean, I like the whole thing, but as soon as they go to Lyme, things like really pick up for me. And that's when I really started loving the film. You know what it is? I think it's when we get to see her interact with people who don't haven't known her for decades. Yeah. <laughs> and don't already have these like, because then we start to see her with his friends and she's saying the right things and very giving great advice and helpful. And then we get to see her be the person, like become the heroine. Let me ask you this. They did something different in this movie than they do in the book. They added sort of a turning point in the relationship of Anne and Wentworth, where they go to Lyme. Mm-hmm. Wentworth hears her tell Benick, hey, I've been trapped in a cage of depression and telling myself life will get better. And then he has a scene with her on the beach, mm-hmm. which is a beautifully set scene where he comes and he says, I see the prison my resentment has created. And they decide to be right. friends. Right. Now that doesn't happen in the book. It's a much more subtle turning point in the book where at Lyme, he sees Mr. Elliot kind of looking at her and he's like, oh, maybe Anne does have some value. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about his whole speech about how I want to be friends? And then his speech about how you're the best. I was always thinking about what you would do. You're calm, you're capable, you're leadership skills. The first time I saw it, I couldn't get past the fact that they were alone on the beach without a chaperone and how <laughs> stupid it was. <laughs> um, and then when I watched it recently, the past couple of times, I was like, this is very romantic and sweet. And he is showing a remarkable way of expressing his emotions for a man of that time. I liked it. short version. I did not like it the first time. I was like, they're unmarried. They're alone. She's about to get in the water. She's just wearing like her swimming ships. This is ridiculous. This is a scandal. This would never happen. And then this time I would just kind of let it all wash over me. And I was like, okay, this is romantic. This is sweet. Oh no, they're going to be, he said he wants to be friends. Oh my God, just kill me. I think that, but that totally makes sense to me. I, I I felt a lot of the same things. I think they added it because they needed more of a concrete turning point in their relationship, which they would then rip away in the very next scene with Louisa's fall. Right. So it's, it, 
but what I, it, it seems like he's recognized that he still loves her, but he's afraid to approach her. And so he says, let's just be friends, which doesn't feel organic. I mean, if he loves her and he's kind of come to terms with that, I don't know. I guess well, I'm I think, I mean, he's like, afraid, right? He doesn't think that he doesn't know that she still feels that way about him. That's true. She does have a scene where she says to earlier on, like, I don't want, I'm doing my best. I don't want you to be angry. Yeah. He's like, what would you want me to be? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how he would know that she had been pining, pining for him. Away. Okay. I mean, Kristen, put yourself back. Okay. You got to like rewind. Think of yourself back before you met Kevin. You're in, <laughs> you're in say like you're a sophomore in college, like you're young and you like someone and you need, you want to ask them out. And like, you're so scared of the rejection and the potential humiliation. Like, I would never tell somebody I likes them ever. You're supposed to like see them across the room every day and never say anything. That's how you do it. That's how, um, that's how mature people do it. <laughs> I'm getting off dating apps and finding love yeah. the real way. So, yeah. Where I never way. say anything because I'm too afraid of rejection. <laughs> but like, I really think that it, it would have been ridiculous at that point for him to be like, I've realized I still love you. How do you feel about yeah, me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody would do that. Nobody would do that. You're right. You're right. I guess I'm so close to her longing that I'm like, how do you not see that? Why are you being so mean and withholding? But you're right. He still has that fear. She shattered he his heart and he she shattered his heart lost. eight years ago. No, you've convinced me. You, you've convinced me. I guess yeah. I was too much in the, you know, like, just love me, love me, you idiot. Like she screams in another scene, which, or, or kill like me forever either. or something yeah, like, what did she know, say? Kill yeah. me, love me or kill me now. And then she's like, Lady Macbeth. When like, when Mary comes up, she's like, Macbeth, scene four, you know, act three, scene and, four. And she's like, she'll buy oh, it. But, but of course. I wrote oh. in my notes in for that scene, I wrote in my notes, yes, it's kind of over the top, but isn't that exactly what you're screaming to the book? when you're reading this novel at that point in the book, aren't you screaming, love her, you idiot. So yeah. I, I, I didn't mind it, but, but yeah, so they do this whole thing and then they do something which felt unearned for me, especially given her drunken weirdness earlier where she's like, Oh, Charles wanted to marry me. He says, Oh, you're always good in a crisis. You're so capable and that felt totally unearned. But then in the very next scene, you see her with that calm head. Right. And then when they're in the carriage, you see her giving him advice on how to tell Louise's parents. What did you think about the line when they're in the carriage where he says, I, I let her believe I was a person who was going to catch her? I liked that whole scene. I liked that whole scene. I thought that was good because the whole Louisa thing when she falls is so, I just think about this a lot, like how difficult that is to film. I've never really seen an adaptation of it where they handle it well, where it's not ridiculous. They did a pretty good job in here because, but it's like, she jumped because she thought that he would absolutely be there, even though he was like, don't do it. I'm not going to catch you (laughs) because she thought that his feelings were strong enough that he was just like, Oh, don't do it. I'm not going to catch you. And that he totally would. But the fact is he wasn't paying enough attention to her. I I completely agree. I, I, I completely agree with you. And so the line making that subtext text, I think is especially helpful for people who don't know the story. And 
the whole thing about persuasion is that that scene is a metaphor for Wentworth asking Anne to marry him when he wasn't prepared to catch her, provide for her for the rest of her life. He could have died at sea. He could have never made his fortune. Oh, see, that's interesting because I was thinking about it like almost like he was the one who was leaping by being like, let's just do this. (laughs) <laughs> I love you. Will you marry me? And she was the one who didn't catch him and he got shattered. The risk is higher for her. She's in a higher social. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, she could have wound up a war widow, yeah. you know, kind of penniless, you know, um, the risk was higher for her. If he had died, he would be dead, but she yeah. would be living the rest of her life without, you, you know, with this burden. Right. Yeah. And so, and, you know, not that that's not that no one should ever marry someone who's going to, go to war, but just very specific Austin-esque context, right? Mm -hmm. That I think they had to make that a little bit more evident to people who didn't know the story by saying, I led her to believe I was a person who was going to catch her. And yeah, I mean, I led her on to make you jealous also, you know, like feeling that guilt. So then, you know, oh, he feels himself honor bound to marry Louisa now. Yeah. Because this has happened. And I thought they did a really great job with the misdirect. Of everyone being like, oh, Louisa and her, Louisa is going to marry, Louisa is going to marry a sailor. Can you believe it? Uh, Like Mary comes in and then also, um, yes, Lady Russell even is completely mistaken herself and thinks that. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. So (laughs) if you didn't know it was a misdirect you would be yeah. like, oh my God, is he, it's not Louisa. It's that other guy. It's that, like, I thought that was really well done. It was really fun. It was Bay fun. was like, wait, what the hell? They got engaged? Like, Bay was really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for a second, I was a little bit like, oh, they're doing to- something totally different. Yeah, oh, he was really mad about it. <laughs> it's, it's this quite sh- Shakespearean misdirect of, oh no, star-crossed lovers. They, you know, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was good. And then the fact that Henry Golding is so possessive of her and then telling Wentworth, oh, I hope you can come to the wedding. You know, Do you know, I missed belonging. that part the first time I watched oh, it. Oh, really? I did. I don't know what, I, I didn't remember it. And this time when he said, I hope you can come to the wedding, I was like, oh, I can't believe he said that to him before he even asked. Like, I, I had totally missed it the first time. And this time I loved it. I just, I just loved Mr. Elliot. I was. Okay. So what else? I'm bringing up my notes. Yeah. Look at your notes. Anything else they have to harp on. Oh, there's so many like fun visual gags in here. This is a very joke. There's is a very quick joke, but like at the beginning, this movie really got me on its side in like one of the very first scenes when Anne makes a joke about here's a lock of Wentworth's hair and this oh, and is horse. his horse's hair with who I barely knew. Um, and thought, then the visual I, gag of like of Sir Walter's portrait. Um, he's talking yeah. to Anne and, and they're moving his portrait out behind him so he can't take it off. Well, there were a lot of the beginning. I, I did like the humor when she's like, they show her, I've been enjoying fine wines. And she's just like drinking like just whatever red wine in her room and like spending a lot of time face down in my bed. But there were, I thought some very eye rolly, like when she spills the stuff on her, oh, yeah. when she's strong, I mean, that was eye rolly. Early on tonally, it, it kind of struggled later yeah. after she, you know, after that moment of, Oh no, she, she's learning that Captain Wentworth and Louisa are engaged, right. That misunderstanding 
her crying in the bath and her narrating oh, it was so sad. It was so sad. It so it really got me. And it was like I imagined how I would act and how I would that, be in this moment. I would be so brave, and they would erect a statue to me for my sufferings. I have to tell you, Kristen, that resonated with me so hard because one of the things that I do, and I don't know if this is because I have like a performing personality, but I will think like, how will it be when a tragedy happens? Mm-hmm. And I will like try to think about how I will react. I don't know if anybody else does that. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Maybe this oh, is a yeah. way of coping 100%. with anxiety. Okay. I didn't know if this was normal behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just projecting um, yourself in. in yeah. Like if I think about one of my parents dying or something, I try to like imagine like, what will that be like? what will my reaction be? Will I be a mess? Will I be a stone? Will I be? Blah, blah, blah. So when she was like, I've pictured this happening and reacting X way that, that really, like that really resonated with me as someone who has done that before. And then like, I'll be stoic and everyone will, and then you just fall apart. And it's nothing like you imagined. It's nothing like you imagined. It's just right. horrible. You're not strong. Yeah. I don't. And she just looks so sad. It was very sad. It's really affecting that. I had real emotions sequence. watching this. I told you yeah. I cried the first time yeah, I watched it. Too. I was like, oh, okay, that's romantic. This is very good. And then this last time when I watched it Saturday, I just cried. <laughs> when she gets that letter and she's reading it to you, the audience, what is the line she said that made me cry? Like, I have loved none but you, except for she says no one, right? Yeah. But I have loved now no you just told you. me that you didn't like the letter and now you're telling I don't. me that you cried. I, I, well, like it takes me out when they change yeah. the first language. Right. It's like, why would you bother? Why would you screw with it? But she's so good that she carries you through that. And then yeah. when she says, I have loved none with you and she's crying, you're crying. Then she runs after him. God, stupid ass dogs. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I had to yell quiet. They don't always listen. That's um, it. When and then she runs after him, and they like you said, it's super romantic. And then this beautiful song comes on, which oh, I love the song! I love the song. I'm totally into the song. Is it too on the nose? Yes. Do I care? Of course. No. No. I love the song. (laughs) (laughs) I was singing along with the song. Yeah. Does it have the word persuaded in it? Maybe. Do I care? No. It's, I'm going to put it at the beginning of this episode. It is by yes, artist I loved the song. I loved the song. And that, that just got you in the feels. I mean, this is, it, it's good movie making. It's, it's great choices. It's great shots. That shot where she picks up the letter and she's in this blue dress, but there's also this blue background. It is gorgeous. It's a visual feast. feast. Like when she's wearing that navy blue dress at the um, Dalrymple's, it's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. The clothes are gorgeous. The only thing I regret is that they don't have, uh, they never have a long enough con. They always cut the like who loves longest. Oh yeah. Conversation. And also like, excuse me. I write by hands when I take notes for work and stuff. Nobody can write that letter that fast. There is no way. (laughs) They have like a one minute long conversation. I did. I paid very close attention the last time I watched it. And I think he actually does start writing it as soon as she leaves and he sits down to like write his letter. I actually think he starts writing it then, but then he does say like, I can't listen to you talk about who loves longest or whatever it is. Um, No one could write that long letter in that amount of time. Come on. 
That bothered me. (laughs) Very valid criticism. We should throw it in the trash. Throw this movie in the trash. He does not have enough time. He barely had time to like send a 240 character tweet. Come on. Speaking of unfair criticisms. (laughs) 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 There were some people who were like, why does she have a pet rabbit? It's an unexplained pet rabbit. I'm like, my. it's supposed to be a a pet rabbit. It's, it's her heart. It's her. Also, it's a pet rabbit. No one needs to justify a pet rabbit. I did think it was weird, though, when she traveled to, is it Upper Cross? With, yeah. With just holding the rabbit on her lap. And I was like, girl, rabbits are very incontinent. This is not. <laughs> rabbit that, 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 that rabbit needs to be in a little carrier. <laughs> that rabbit's going to shit all over your I nice dress. I I had the same concerns. Okay, yes. good. Okay, yes. But the this, rabbit, that the rabbit was like people's favorite part. <laughs> I know, people. It's adorable rabbit. Um, and there was another kind of unfair criticism of like, why is Louisa first pushing and to get with Wentworth and then she wants to get with Wentworth. It's like, no, it's very clearly explained, you know, and there's this beautiful scene that I actually want to call out the writing as being kind of good in where Louisa is having a conversation with. Anne yes. About I loved she- what they did with Louisa in general. Just to put that out there. Yeah. yeah they I made lo- her, they made her so emotionally intelligent. Yes, exactly. I loved it. And so she says, I, it's, you don't look at him, but it's the way you don't look at him. And Anne says, what you're seeing is the past. Mm-hmm. And Louisa says, I think this man could be my future. Yeah. I thought it was great. Well, they make her completely blameless, right? Yeah. So then it's like even kind of worse that he's, when he confesses, he was just basically leading her off. Yeah, it, yeah, right. it makes it worse. He didn't yeah. know his own heart to be I guess we have to be fair. Right. The first scene with the sisters-in-law, I thought they were trying, do you know what it felt like to me? This is such a random pull. They were trying so hard to be like joyful and happy. It felt like, um, this is so weird in, um, Oh, the Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson. Much to do about nothing. Yes. Like when they're all like, and we will laugh and dance. It felt very much like for some reason, it felt like a little too try hard. Like they're fun loving. And then when they actually acted like real people, I was like, oh, they are fun loving. They're great. But when they first crash in and they're like, oh, oh we're crazy. We're going to dance all night. I was like, okay, girls, let's dial it down. So, so many movies do that so poorly that this one, for the most part, does it so well that you actually believe they're fun loving, that they're yeah. cool. That like they're when funny. they're trying to sneak past Mary. Yeah. She's like, so they're funny. like, you hate walking. You hate moving your limbs. <laughs> we had to carry you home. <laughs> yes. And then when they come home, Charles is and he's carrying her. <laughs> one thing I will say, too, is that um, this movie is surprising. Like they... It's modern, right? So they also did a surprising number of sexual innuendos mm. when uh, like puns on bushel, like it's like, I won't tell you where I'll put my bushel or, or whatever. like you're the and only then, one you'd want to exchange calling cards with. Yeah. <laughs> or, or will you teach me how to read a sextant? I've mm-hmm. just met you, you know, like um, after one afternoon, after one afternoon and you're enjoying it so much that you don't even care. I like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't know. I feel like I know about sex, you know, I will say, I think that history was a lot more horny than people (laughs) want to think it was. I mean, we've talked about this before in our Northanger Abbey adaptation discussion, though, um, the one with JJ field where like, we liked that they made it horny because people (laughs) people are always like that. So to, I mean, I'm, I bet people said even more 
um, obvious things to each other just because Austin didn't write it. Right. Exactly. Didn't mean, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> But so, yeah, there was a very organic, like, nature of of them interacting with one another. Even the fact that she was peeing, it's like this, whoever this author was, you know, pee, bush peeing or whatever, whoever this author was. It's called like, a, bush a bush we. A bush we. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're like, let's make it a little bit more earthy as well. And But again, the first time I was like, is she going to pee? Like, is she just going to pee against? And also, girl, why don't you look around before you drop trowel? Like, they were two feet away from her. It would have been even worse if she started peeing and they were like, do you hear someone peeing right behind us? I mean, they were right there. I got to tell you, it was the more, one of the more unrealistic parts of the movie, because I do a lot of hiking and I do a lot of long hikes and I do a lot of peeing in nature and there, if you're on a hiking trail, it is so hard to find a place to pee that is not visible from any angle. Absolutely. It's so hard. So I was like, oh, how convenient. Yeah. (laughs) But it's that long dress helped though. Yeah, but it was really dumb. It was just like, they're literally right there. Like, come on, just look around. <laughs> Maybe I should look to see if anybody's right there. Oh, I'm actually just really glad she heard them talking though, because the whole point of that scene oh. was for her to be embarrassed. Like, what if she hadn't? Oh my God. Well, here's the thing. Here's one thing that weakened the story too. During that scene, that's when she's supposed to overhear him encouraging Louisa to be headstrong, to be mm-hmm. unpersuadable, which right. is of course why she eventually jump, jumps. They lost that. Instead, he accused again. Yeah, he's just like, it's, it's the worst proud. thing you can be is to let be of weak mind or something like that. Yeah, exactly. This nut, <laughs> this yeah. glossy nut, right? <laughs> uh, but instead, they lost that scene of him encouraging Louisa to be unpersuadable so that when she jumps, he has less culpability and we're like, well, it's not your fault. Yeah. But um, that was kind of something that they, that I noticed that that kind of weakened it. But I mean, overall, if you can let the source material go, which is not easy. I know some of us love that book. Yeah. Like our, our very own souls that know every line that worship its beauty. And I understand, I mean, here I am saying it's a beautiful movie. Just l- enjoy it for what it is. But I mean, you have a list of things that you're upset about. <laughs> and that's exactly what I can't do when people tell me I need to enjoy the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which right. I've gone on. We've gone on record as we just can't connect with it is because we love the source material too much to let it go. Yeah. Everything we see is different. It's wrong. It's different. It's wrong. It's different. It's wrong. And so, and you know, there was a lot of a lot of soul searching, a lot of difficulty when, you know, this movie came out. And I understand that. I mean, when you have a dream of seeing your absolute favorite story brought to life on the screen, if it goes well, that movie is then like your go-to comfort movie. That movie right. means something to you. It builds you up. It is part of your persona, like Pride and Prejudice was to me. And when you miss out on the chance of having that because someone wanted to do Bridget Jones meets Bridgerton, I understand why that's frustrating. I do. Oh, yeah. And I get, but it's just like, we don't, we don't begrudge anybody who loves the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. And like, hopefully they don't begrudge anybody who loves the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. I mean, (laughs) there's, I mean, everybody has their, 
favorite novel. Everybody has their favorite adaptation. Likewise, when I first watched this, um, like I said, I didn't really like it that much, but I was like, a lot of people love this and I'm really glad. Like I was really happy. A lot of people loved it. This is like when I saw Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, I hated it. Um, and I thought it was really <laughs> dumb, but I'm so happy that a lot of people love it because <laughs> I like the MCU and I want people to enjoy it and yeah. I want them to keep making movies. And so it just wasn't for me. So, um, and then sometimes you can change your mind. I thought that this persuasion wasn't for me and now I'm really enjoying it and I love it. I know there was a lot of toxicity in the fandom that bled into racism. Ugh, in yeah, the fandom. it was so awful. And it's it was a good lesson for me. It was just the progression for me is when the trailer came out, I very much wanted to defend my right to hate it vocally and loudly online, which is also, uh, which is also a hard lesson I learned with 2005 PNP mm-hmm. not to do that and to be respectful. And this time when people were vocally hating on it, there was a, an effect of empowering people who, who are racists, who wanted to hate it because it is colorblind casting. And So I think it's just overall a really good argument for civility in our online lives to, again, recognize that something you love may not be for everybody. Something you hate may be for other people. The more vocal you are, the more what you say can be co-opted by people with agendas, bad actors. Yeah. Right. So it was just a good a good, I mean, it wasn't good. It was awful. I mean, and I feel so bad uh, for really unfortunate um, situations where people came across racism, fans of color came across this horrible racism where people are saying there should be no black people in Austin adaptations. There should be no Asian people. It's so wild to me too, because when the trailer came out, I was just sitting here like, the diverse casting was the only thing I liked about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. Part. I don't know what your people's problem is. Yeah. It was gross. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why I don't think we talked about this right away. Um, it was just like, not the place to critique this movie because it was just so awful. And now we both really love it anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> <Right. just> like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> With the time I've come to just really like it. So <laughs> It couldn't have felt more natural either. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just keep saying, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Because I really, it's the same thing with the Lord of the Rings right now. It's the um, the Amazon series. It's the same bullshit with um, how the House of the Dragon prequel. It's just always the same bullshit, Kristen. Yeah. It's always the same bullshit, the whole time. And we just have to keep loudly wanting representation and watching it and consuming it and giving them our money if they do it. Yeah. That, yes, exactly. Giving them the money and supporting that kind of production. And if you don't like it respectfully saying why you don't, there's always room for criticism of every piece of art, but in a respectful way that takes into account that it means something. Representation means something. I mean, I, I remember, oh, who was it? I, I feel like it was Kumail Nanjiani or someone who, when Rogue One came out, was talking about um, 
it was, this is what it was. Let me start my story over. It was someone who was Arab, Arabic of Arabic extraction, right? In Rogue One. And he was like, I, I can't even tell you how much it meant to me to see someone who looks like me on the screen that's not mm-hmm. playing a terrorist, you know? Yeah. Or someone else was saying, I took my dad, you know, my dad is from Mexico. He was really, um, he leaned into me and said, that guy has a really heavy accent. You know, the guy in Rogue One who plays the main male lead, he does yeah. have a very heavy accent. Who's and like, getting, and he's getting, is that the guy who's getting his own spinoff? It's the Andor series. I can't remember oh. his name, but he's getting his own prequel spinoff series. And the guy was talking about how much it meant to his dad that he was practically in tears on the way home, seeing someone who has a heavy accent who can be a movie star. I mean, and it feels so natural. You don't even think about it after the first second, unless you're a racist. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know what's wrong with these people, but um, anytime you see Henry Golding on your screen, you're just happy. Any normal person would just be happy. And that guy who who played uh, Charles Musgrove was just a doll. I mean, he was just adorable. What a saint. Florence was so great. I mean, how do you think about that after the first second or two you see that person on the screen? I yeah, know, I don't. So. so this is something that um, I am involved in some other groups, including um, increasing diversity in gaming. And so this is something that we just talk about all the time. Like what boring stories if you don't have, if it's just the same type of people, it's boring games, it's boring stories. I've been there, done that. This is just like when I think I talked about this before, but when Bridgerton came out, I tried to read the book and I found it so boring because everybody was white. And I was like, this is Bridgerton. The show's way better. Yeah. It's so much more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't, I couldn't make it through, (laughs) but yeah, like people just stop, please. This film, if you have, there are things to critique about this film. Absolutely. But like the casting is not one of them because I thought everyone was incredible. It's rare that there's a movie that's got such pitch perfect performances from every single person. And Richard E. Grant, which we haven't even talked about. Oh my God. I I love Richard E. Grant ever since I saw him in Spice World. I love Richard. (laughs) A Spice World reference. My God. It's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) And he's very good in it. It's one of your favorite movies. It is one of my favorite. Oh my God. Kristen. It's so good. How do I know this? Uh, okay. We will next time we get together, we have to watch it. It is not on streaming anywhere. I have what? tried to find it. Yeah, it's crazy. It is not available for streaming anywhere in the United States. I don't know about um the UK. It's wild that you can't find it streaming. You have to actually buy the DVD. It's so good. And Richard E. Grant is with with Nail and I. I think that was kind of one of his big first. It's like a cult UK movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. But he's so great. And he does so he's not in this movie a lot, but he's so yeah. good. So good. He's everybody has. Oh, he's just entertained. always such a he's such a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. Well, I think that's miraculously everything in my notes. Do you have anything else to add or should we I just am really I was just so surprised by how my view of this movie changed. And I don't, I can't, I can't say why. I don't think I'm like in a different place emotionally. (laughs) It just came out like what, three months ago or something like that. But I just, every time I watch it, 
maybe the second time I watched it, I watched it while I was on like a girl's weekend with two of my really good friends and they really loved it too. And they're not in, they're not familiar with the source material and stuff. Maybe, and maybe that helped me kind of get out of my own ass and um, just sort of enjoy it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I went from being finishing it the first time being like, that was okay, but it wasn't for me to like crying tears at the end. Yeah. As I said, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to love this movie. If you've stuck with us through this whole episode of us, just kind of basically gushing over it. Although we did have (laughs) a couple of critiques, I would say, Um, and you don't like it, then I'm sorry. You don't like it. Um, but I certainly hope that you aren't mad at me and Kristen for making it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there was a certain period of time where coming on and saying you liked it was to like, I don't know, risk your cred in some way. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just, and again, this is like a thing with getting older. I don't care about that kind of thing. Like, what do I give a shit? Like some 22 year old on Twitter is going to roast me for liking what I like. I don't care. I don't know. I'm here and I've always been here to just say what I think because it's the only place that I can and people will actually listen to me. That is uh, the that is the founding principle of the podcast. Of the podcast. <laughs> just let Kristen say what she wants to say. Get out of my way. I'm going to talk for a solid 45 minutes and you're going to listen to I am it. here to facilitate. <laughs> So that Kristen has the space and I love it and I wouldn't do anything different. Thank you so much for enabling me, Maggie. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Do we have anything? Oh, I just want to thank everyone who has been, um, because as you know, I recently joined Twitter. Um, I want to thank everyone who's tweeted at the pod. I mean, I think usually people, Kristen, because you use the podcast Twitter basically is your personal Twitter, unless you have another Twitter account I'm not aware of. Um, And so people will often tweet at you for things, but I want to thank people who like tweet at the pod generally, because it's always fun to see those. Yes, people thank you like so I've seen some people have been discovering our old episodes and tuning in and that's always really fun. Yeah. And if you haven't yet checked it out, um, the Austin Connection is another podcast that you will love. I don't know if we've ever plugged it on the show before, but if you're in Austin spaces at all, you've probably come across it. Mm -hmm. Um, Plain Jane is the Mm -hmm. name of the person who is the, um, I know you know her from Twitter. So I know, and I know her from the podcast. She says she always signs off with Plain Jane, but she is awesome. She does interviews. I was painting my house, which is the only time I listen to podcasts and I got into her podcast. A I was going to say, you're, you're always saying you're not a podcast person. Painting and podcasts go like this, hand in hand. That's and um, it's excellent. And there is another account you should follow if you're on Twitter. And I'm sure you already do follow because she's been retweeted in the Twitterverse so many times. There's a new account, Jane Austen First Drafts. Yeah, she's very funny. She's hysterical. Every day <laughs> she's out there killing it. And so, um, yeah, if you're, if you're on the Twitter, definitely make sure you follow her because she's so much fun and anything else. Um, there is a wheat chief, uh, email that we got. It is very embarrassing that it is now, uh, September 11th. And I'm just now talking about this because the thing this person contacted me to plug is now over, (laughs) but I know, um, it was an email from Kevin, not my husband, Kevin, but a different Kevin. (laughs) It's some guy named Kevin who like... (laughs) 
my husband in, wanted me to tell you. <laughs> I live in Cincinnati and the Taft Art Museum is currently hosting a Jane Austen costume exhibit. <gasps> Various oh, cool. costumes from the productions of the many ad- adaptations along with supplementary materials. So it was over on September 4th. I'm so sorry I didn't get the word out, but. Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. But like we, our schedules have been crazy and in. we've been trying to, we haven't recorded in <laughs> such a long time. It, it feels like I haven't talked to you in forever, Kristen. It's been a long time. I mean, yeah, we need to get even back when, on track. But you're so busy. Even when I remember to like message somebody or text somebody something funny, it's like, we can't get into an, uh, like a real conversation because I just don't, I don't have the, it's, it's not even that I don't have the time. It's that I'm so busy and I'm so fried that Mm -hmm. I just have to put my screens down and just be away from electronic communications or doom scroll Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) You know, rather than having a meaningful conversation, just retweeting funny shit. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. That's, that's what you need. That's what we need. I mean, I feel like half the time Kevin and I are just like hanging out, like, look at this, showing each other funny tweets. Oh on my the God. Couch. Kristen, <laughs> I share an office with my husband. Oh my God. We both work at home. We share a home office and it is literally just us yelling at each other all day. Look at this meme. Look at this meme. Look at this. <laughs> Have you seen this? Yeah, I saw that two hours ago. Look at this. I'm sending you something. Every time he goes to the bathroom, I know Facebook Messenger is going to ping because he's sending me a reel or a meme or something because that's just what we do all day. It's just what this is married. This is marriage life, married life in 2022. Have you seen this meme? (laughs) Oh my God. Did you see this thing? And And I'll go, yes, I saw that three hours ago. Did you oh, see I commented? Do you see this hit tweet? <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't go on Twitter that often, I don't think. Bay has a Twitter account, but I don't know if he's ever tweeted anything. He's a total lurker. Does he follow you? <laughs> oh God, I hope not. <laughs> okay. Well, I think those are our thoughts. Thank you so much for listening to our thoughts about Netflix persuasion. Yeah. Just watch this movie. Just drink some red wine. Have a good cry. Enjoy the humor. Don't overthink it. I mean, if you've drunk the exact right amount of wine and that final sequence comes on and that song comes on, it's going (gasps) to take you to church. It is going to persuasion drinking game, persuasion drinking game. Mm -hmm. Every time Anne drinks or basically like holds alcohol, you have to take a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Let's so next time it. we get together, Kristen, we are watching Spice World and we are playing the persuasion drinking game. Oh, okay. can I share one more thing before we go? Yes. Okay. So it's September, which means it's a start of spooky season because I love Halloween. So it starts September 1st. So I had a million dollar idea for a horror movie, which is an Emma adaptation where Emma sets people up. And if they break up, then she kills them. <laughs> and it's a slasher <laughs> it's a regency slasher horror movie so there's your million dollar idea oh shit now everyone's gonna take it yeah well are what are you gonna produce a movie or <laughs> i'm working on my screenplay <laughs> right now I'm yeah. taking, well, that- i have a copy of writing a screenplay for dummies no it sounds really hard to write a screenplay you actually bought me how to write a screenplay book. Thank you so much. When Kevin Kevin is constantly telling me to do it for Mansfield Park, and I'm yeah, because you should. Well, yeah, but like you're a good writer. No, no, I am not. In fact, 
but I have two things to say. I also finished Stranger Things season four or not. I have, we have not finished. We're in the middle okay. of it, but um, obviously that Kate Bush song running up that hill is like the number one song in the world. I'm running up that hill. I don't know if you remember what in our Wuthering Heights episode. It is burned into my brain. That I bring it up. I'm like, I just discovered this song. I'm running <laughs> up that hill. This one was a full on year. I had more. never heard of Kate Bush either. Don't feel bad. Before. Yes, it was year, like a year or more before Stranger Things season four. But I'm afraid new listeners of the podcast will hear that episode and be like, yeah, you dork. It's like yeah. the biggest song in the Kate, world. Kate Bush is number <laughs> one, man. <laughs> Imagine how Stranger Things season four would be different if Wuthering Heights was Max's favorite song. Oh, I don't like that song though. I oh, really okay. like Running Up That Hill, but that's a wacky Wuthering song. It's a wacky song. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kate Bish is just an interesting artist. But anyway, I wanted to I say deal that. with God. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm so know, happy really every good. time it comes on the radio and it comes on at least it, once. They an play hour. it on like the alt rock station yeah, here in yeah. DC. And I heard it and I was like, yes, DC 101, playing me some Kate Bush. <laughs> oh, good. Blasting it. Um, what is happening in the world? I don't even know, but I like it right now. That's one thing that I like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so anyway, yes, you should write a screenplay. We'll we'll collab. It'll be great. I'll help you with the jokes. Anything you want to plug? No, I'm not doing anything, Kristen. Oh, like something that I'm enjoying. That you're enjoying? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I did find another podcast that I really like. So as I mentioned, I love a long spooky season. Have I mentioned that I like scary movies on this podcast before? I don't know. I love horror movies. I love scary movies. And I found a podcast called Too Scary Didn't Watch, where it's these <laughs> really fun three ladies. One of them is brave and loves scary movies. And two of them do not like watching scary movies, but they like what's going on. So it's a horror recap podcast where they just want the one watches them and then recaps the films for the two who can't watch them, but are interested. <laughs> it's very funny. And they have a lot of really great guests. It's great for movies that I've already seen that I love um, because they talk about them and then they're very funny gals. And for movies that I haven't seen, I either won't listen to that episode or if it's something I don't think I have time to get to, then I'll, I will also find out what happened because I always want to know what happened. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like I refuse to watch the Saw movies, but I have to know what happened. So I've read every Wikipedia summary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's called Too Scary Didn't Watch. It's really fun. I'm enjoying it. I have such a hard time with horror movies that the previews for them upset me. Like every mm. time I go through a car wash, I think about Final Destination, even though I'd never seen it. I've just seen the preview where she almost drowns in her car because the uh, sunroof is stuck open and she's in the car wash and it breaks the mm -hmm. pipe. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. And that's kind of a wild grab from how many decades ago was Final <laughs> Destination. What? They'll have like scarred you really. Oh my fucking. Well, we already talked about um, the coven or whatever with uh, Ben Stiller's wife's hair falling out in the shower. I can't. The craft. The, the craft. coven. You I mean the craft, one of the like most seminal movies from the 90s? How should I know? I never watched it except for that one scene. Okay, please join us for our spinoff podcast where Maggie <laughs> makes Kristen watch scary movies and then they talk about them. We had an idea for a podcast which we haven't done and it's partially because I am terrible about organizing things, but we were both going to watch a movie that the other person loves, but that we have not seen. So I yes. was going to watch 10 Things I Hate About You. And I was going to watch uh, Room with a View. 
And I was also going to have to watch A Room with You because i never seen it. But now let me ask you this. Okay. Have you ever seen a movie called The Enchanted April? No. Because I read this book. Elizabeth Von Arnhem write a, wrote a book called it The Enchanted April. She, she lived in the early 20th century, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> such a good book. And then I realized that there's a movie... And I thought I was the only person who had ever read this book. Not that, not that there was ever even a movie adaptation. So I watched the movie adaptation recently. It's so good. So then maybe you could watch that one instead of A Room with a View if you don't sure, want to. Sure, except it. now you have to watch The Craft. I'm not watching The Craft. I'm watching 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, that movie just makes me sad now, though. Okay. Because of Heath Ledger. Okay. Yeah, it's good. That's fine. Okay. Um, no, you don't have to watch The Craft. I do think a spinoff series, though, where I make you watch scary movies would be good. No, I will wet my pants. I would scar you. Like, I truly believe that you would have nightmares and you would not forgive me. Even just reading the synopses of the Saw movies would, I would have to go change my panties. Ooh. My whole ass pants because they'd be wet from my. Ooh, Kristen. (laughs) I've had way too much wine. This is getting embarrassing. We should probably Um, shut this thing down. Gentle listeners. (laughs) We have delighted you long enough <laughs> from all of, from all of us here at first impressions podcast. We're wishing you a wonderful spooky season. If you are into the scary movies, I hope you enjoy them. I hope you don't become so wet. You have to change your pants. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, and on that note, we have, we have delighted you long enough. Long enough. <laughs> Bye. Bye.